Is it a video as well we make, or we just... Uh... Yeah, we, well, we, we trundled straight into it. I recorded that, so um, people now know. They got, they got the secret that um, we kind of trundle into starting recording um, as, if, as if we've just started the conversation. Andy, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Um, still at home, but, 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 but vaccinated. The um, benefits of being old is that you, go, you get vaccinated first, I think. Ah, so you've, have you had both? I, oh no, uh, not that old, um, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, and not that cunning in order to um, in order to get myself vac- not to get to vaccinated twice. My my first vaccination came when I went on, on into my medical records just to up, update them, and then about twenty minutes later, a text came that um, offered me an j- injection the next day. Wow, that's well, the system's working, isn't it? Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so I skipped on skipped on down. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Joined in the queue. Happy queue it was. Step away. <laughs> Do you mind having that on the same day the um, AstraZeneca one had a, if some of the issues? And uh, no, no, no problem there. There's the yeah, the um, the we have been worried of COVID for too long. Yeah, yeah. Has um, I mean now now that you've had the first one, um, which, which in my mind sort of. Gives a kind of a perhaps a is it about seventy percent kind of coverage, bearing in mind all the caveats, of course. But but around that, I mean, does that has that kind of made you approach things or think differently about it all? No, no, not at all. Actually, all the safety stuff is compliant with other people. So you, the masks, we, you wear a mask so that you don't pass it on, and you wear a mask so that people around you don't fear that you might pass it on. So that that all shifts. The, that's the same. Most of the things are not open, but they're not, uh, they're not, they're not open in necessarily in an enjoyable way yet, are they? The, um, the gyms are open. I go to the gym, but the bar around the gym is not open. So you're, not, you're going in there and, and you're adhering to all the procedures of wiping everything down and all that. But it's not the big social bit that goes with it. So it's, the whole thing is done a bit more. It's done more cautiously. Um, and a lot of life is now moved indoors and indoors in your own house. And a lot of the habits, not in restaurants. I've not felt the urge to go to a restaurant because uh, I've got out of the habit and various things like that. So no, very, almost no difference other than, I mean, at the points where the figures were quite bad, you think, Jesus, this is, this it really is quite oppressing the, the sort of fear of infection and, and having no real knowledge that you, um, if you got it, how you'd go? Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, they say to people, "Yeah, but you're you're young." And I say, uh, "I say thank you." <laughs> I said, "You don't actually know how old I am." <laughs> uh, the uh, and and fit, and you go. But a friend of mine who did a um, did the Boston Marathon, he he got it and died. The Boston Marathon in um, in the UK, uh, but he came over from America to do it. And he was treated like a celebrity when he got there, which is quite funny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a chat with um, Ian Morgan, who's an ultra runner, and he he got it as well. And um, yeah, I think initially there, there was a sort of a feeling that you were safe if you were fit and, and well, considered yourself to be well. But that it's it, it doesn't seem to be that kind of pattern at all. <laughs> There's a, a randomness, isn't there? Um, it was randomness and so i mean it's just want to avoid you want to avoid it you want to avoid the flu you want to avoid all all illnesses and um 
what you don't get is the the uh, you don't get you don't really know how um, how infectious it was at the start. I mean, see, I mean, it's interesting the observation that we're not been the hand washing emphasis has dropped massively, mm. and now it's all about masks. And early on, it wasn't about masks, and you know, well, you know um, so in the early stages, this makes sense. They didn't really know how it was being transmitted. How you caught it? Yeah. Um, so, but such massive decisions to close a whole country down on such little information—that's that, that, quite staggering. That, yeah. um, really, quite staggering. It, it shows the power that a small number of people have, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the way that the majority of us sort of then fall into line. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I mean, again, the in, an interesting part at the start of the first pandemic was the wave in um, people being going to, wanting to be active and wanting to take on challenges and do po and um, uh, which was great. And I did some work for Strava actually. I, I worked, a, I spoke at one of their conferences where they got their, their annual data, and there's a massive spike in activity around March of the first lockdown, and that's great. And from a physical activity promotion perspective, I thought it was magnificent that we were told to prioritize getting out for a day. And you just wanted that message that prior, prioritize an hour a day for exercise, for yourself, for your own well-being. Well, regardless, you should take that. And, and I think a, shame, a massive great shame if you've lost that momentum. Yeah, um, I didn't. I agree. I've gathered uh, lots of my activities are so much better than all of that. I the the time I spent driving is my time. I'm not giving that back. That's that. Um, the um, and so on. The uh, building activity, building um, stress breaks into the day. All loads of those are have been really good. And I think working from home has been more productive as we can do things like this really easily. I did the loads of things which you would just be so difficult logistically to try and do, but you probably would try and have done them outside of an accepted pandemic. People wouldn't, wouldn't go, would go yeah, yeah, let's go and meet. And I've done some, I remember doing some work where I'd, I'd drive up the motorway for two hours and then you meet someone for an hour and you drive back home and that's six hours work. You just wouldn't entertain that. You know, it will, do it on whatever the Zoom, mm -hmm. and you, and you both accept it. You weren't doing that before, and I think that makes a, ma a massive amount of sense for everybody, and not the expectations of being I mean, of that it's better face to face. Um, it's just different face to face, but the, there's a, there is a point I think where the world has got to change. That the roads are so busy and everything, and we don't have to work. We don't have to work in that way. And I hope we get to that again, and we pick and choose when we want to go around um, yeah. London would be great if there were no people in it <laughs> well yeah I mean I've um, been going into London um, right the way throughout and um, and, and as you know I, I run so that's been my mode I haven't been on the I was thinking yesterday I haven't been on the tube since um, oh, early last year which would be probably the longest time in, in you know forever um and so you know plodding around the streets you know basically for work commuting and going to see people um just seeing the difference you know i can remember running past the wheel um the eye and and like two people 
um, and and you know not not I mean you do but not really having to to look too much to cross the roads now now you're waiting by the road for quite a while to cross um, it feels like it's almost back to normal in that way you know right in the centre of town yeah, yeah I mean uh, again L London is one with the I mean it took me a while, it took me a while before I realised that. You the tube for a lot of it is unnecessary. The, you come out of Euston, you want to go, you want to go to Oxford Street. You just walk. It's just down, It's literally just down the road. Yeah. Tottenham Court Road. Just yeah, it's down the road. Some of the other places are not far away. Within a mile, within two miles. And some of the tube stations, you are walking four hundred meters in there to get to the train you want. And it's, it's yeah, messy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so you, yeah, everyone in London should get the, the get the map out and have a look where they're going. I suppose but they do with phones, and then they bump into people. <laughs> but my pet hate when I'm running along is is people with their head down walking at me. Yeah, yeah. Do they then do they then tut at you when when it you know because you, you're aware of them, you try and get by, but they're down. Then they look up and and sort of give you a face. Well, I, say, I shout out, head up, <laughs> head up, because like, we're going to run into it. Um, the, the yeah they um, because they just need to know where they're going. They're you know, walking with their head. They are walking with their head down. Yeah. And um, and don't forget the the white. You know. The... Well, that's where head shouting doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The um, and yeah you, ha you, ha you you it helps. I mean they might get they, do, they get annoyed. People get annoyed. They get annoyed too quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was another observation during lockdown was the extent to which running was then either accepted or not accepted when people are really nervous. Still is a bit now. Sometimes you walk running along and there's people, they hide in the bushes. Yeah. And it's, it's that, which is, which is, I fully get that. Um, it, uh, it, another, another injury, I saw uh, someone coming down a, uh, uh, an alleyway and I just shouted up my hand up and said, vaccinated. Like, Me too. And then we passed. Ah. Just about to, and you kind of that little bit of trying to break the anxiety down socially, but it was quite. I thought you passage anxiety transfers between people, yeah. And that's so if you're running along and you're noticing all of this, it's really puts you off. And so, I mean, again, this I did some work with people with some of the runners I work with at the start of the first lockdown found it difficult to keep training because they felt they were being watched, and that because they were training, it looked like they weren't running for mental health. And that wasn't really given a green light by everybody. So they're coming at them at speed, as in in, in a doing an activity that they're not isn't really good. So yeah, that that's great. You're allowed to go out, but training to go out that looks a bit odd. Yeah. Funny sets of attitudes that appeared um, have appeared, which either make some behaviours acceptable and not not acceptable going on, and you, and now they build build up momentum. I remember the time. Piers Morgan took on the attack on exercise on on TV. You just see the wave of people as if breathing out, breathing out um, when you're running is going to be transmit transmitting the virus to everybody at the, at the same rate. Yeah. Um, which I mean the um, the stuff which um, UK Active were doing and the gym industries were saying well, actually that isn't the case. It, Viral load comes out, it doesn't keep coming out in the same strength. Yeah. So when someone's breathing heavily, they're basically the same air comes in and out. That's just gone in. The knot's got no time to attach itself to anything new. Um, yeah, it was, um, but, the, the, but that's anxiety. The anxiety builds up and then 
you pick that up as someone who's getting stressed by everybody around you. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the, you know, who, who has the loudest mouthpiece, um, you know, on the, on these things will influence some people. Um, you I mean, your, your work with the runners then during lockdown was, was that sort of work you were doing anyway, or is that specific to sort of jigging things around to, to sort of fit in with lockdown? Uh, the, no, the, well, there's athletes I work with all the time. Um, and, you know, it was a really odd time as that was going in there. We were preparing for um, uh, the, Lon the, Lon sorry, the London Marathon and the Olympic qualification, which was going to come up sh shortly on, shortly after that. And there's uncertainty around the Tokyo Games going ahead. The idea that you could cancel the Olympic Games was no way in March. But then it goes, yeah, obviously we're going to cancel it. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you, you've, you've got all of that uncertainty. So on one level, I'm seeing people on an individual level. I'm seeing it on, I'm working with organisations. So the British Association of Sport and Exercise Sciences, I did a talk for them on um, working with athletes on, in essence, emotion regulation in COVID. And I've done loads of research on emotion regulation. You've what the... You can, someone said, we haven't got any evidence that um, there's going to be an emotional response to a pandemic. Well, there's loads of evidence from other pandemics that where you restrict behaviour, where you make rules on people and they get nervous about fear of death, that, that this is going to, uh, we're going to get negative mood. So you think, well, actually, why don't we proactively start thinking about how we can get people to be better at managing their own emotions? So I did a talk for the British Social Sport and Exercise Sciences, and then with runners, I do quite a lot on social media. So some podcasts I talked about why it's so important for people to keep active, how that people can find new goals and to, to set during a, a pandemic where most of their goals, like our athlete, was just all about qualification times. But you go, actually, you know, this is a, could be a time for they learn, maybe learning mental skills, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a for most runners who are recreational, maybe it's the time to do the strength work. Um, and they go, I don't like doing much strength work. Go, but, but, but what we've got now is this fantastic opportunity where you, people don't like you going out. So, whilst you've got a garden or whilst you've got a small bit of space, you can do strength work. Uh, and the amount of space you've got is doesn't need to be very much, you just need a space around your own body size um, and not like to knock anything over. but the um the uh the comeback you know the come oh, well, there won't be any exercise and i'll need weights and so you go okay well let, let's look at the crossfit games how many um single leg squats can you do right and they go well, well i can't do any without holding on like, well, have a look at this have a look at these people have a look let's let's flip to the over 50s 60s 70s let's look and these people you know there's no space involved Mm. It's not just, but it's just that you go, oh, wow, there's opportunities to do different things. You go, well, could I do that? And so, and then, then you actually, for, for most skills, for most physical activities, we underestimate the amount of skill involved. So a single leg squat is actually quite complex technically. And there's a, there's a few, there's several steps you can do, which actually make you make it possible to learn the sequence. So you can, so someone who can't run, whereas a running, why don't we work on your um, strength, your stability? And you could be doing all of these that in two, three months' time, you're going to be so stable, such a stable base 
the, the your hips which were rolling up and down your sore foot and sore knee that come which could be to do with instability are going to be better because you haven't done these before and but what you get what i mean there's there's whether that the, the exact precision of the um, training is useful but what you have is is that where people start making progress they have a goal they make progress to a goal they see progress to a goal that improves mood and where you get success, you get motivation. So you don't really want to do it, but then you're successful. You're feeling positive. The success then breeds in more positivity, um, and you actually, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. And then people start, yeah, I can do this, and start um, uh, feeling good about themselves. And some of the um, yeah. the um, um, the gyms are open again, and the, uh, they're straight into the yoga class. I can do that now. I don't worry about that. I don't. I don't go at the back anymore. I go at the front. Yeah. It, it's. You know, I let the yoga teacher learn my name. <laughs> yeah, I know a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going at the front. Yeah. But it, it strikes there that that as well as working on you know something you know fairly specific like like stability and balance and control you know all great for running. That, that you're also trying to help them with their, their flexibility of thinking. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, runners are often quite, it's, it's all about running. And actually, you, you um, your mental health, running is going to make your health mental, can make your mental health better. But it's not just only about running. You can achieve it via other, other types of exercise. And having, having that flexibility is really important because all runners get injured. That's part of one of the other parts. <laughs> when they're injured, it's become, become really difficult to, to keep a mentally health, healthy and physically healthy because you have, you have to be so, uh, if you are exercising quite a bit and then stop, you have to be so disciplined to, to make your, to then readjust your diet downwards. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you, the the, the um, reality will be is that um, for a while you'll pile the food in and you'll pile the weight on, and yeah. then it becomes even more demotivating. And that happens quite that happens quite often. Yeah. So the flexibility is, I think, really important to actually find new goals, find new challenges when things stop, and uh, and work out how you can make yourself happy from doing things is yeah. is really important. Yeah, well, why? Because you're—I mean, you've nailed that—that that struggle that's so classic, isn't it? When when someone, you know, they they might, and you know, I'm immediately thinking of a, of a couple of friends of mine, you know, who who have really struggled with with ongoing pain, coming and going, and taking a couple of weeks off, and 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 kind of fiddling around with a bit of exercise, maybe a bit of treatment, then back into it, and and then running through it, and and then. And then eventually sort of having to kind of go, all right, well, I've, I've got to stop now. Um, that, that why, why do you think it's so hard? And it seems particular to running. I know other sports is going to be hard as well, but it, it's maybe because I'm a runner, I think about it more. But um, why do you think it's so hard to adjust that schedule, to come away from that? No, I must run X number of K a week and all that. Yeah, the, the, and there's a lot in there, isn't there? The, and one is the... Uh, they like running and the idea that it's only really running that matters. And then there is, you get discomfort from running and some soreness and that comes and goes. So you might, I mean, about I am now at the age where 
and I had been for probably about 15 years, where, where the first part of the run is a bit like a diesel car in the, in the deep snow. <laughs> so, I, and you chug out, it's, it takes about 15 minutes now, it used to take five minutes, and you see, so start, it's really sluggish. So, you, so you, 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 you've got used to feeling fairly, I mean, stiff, sluggish, it's, it's plodding along. Um, you're fairly used to overcoming sensations that you feel a bit stiff um, and then you feel a lot better. And when you do other activities, I mean, it's the same age, the same person. So I can do rowing and the ro rowing is a bit slower, but it's not got the same sort of grunty, grain, grindy pains that come at running. <laughs> so there's one part that you, you get you get good at going, yes, yeah, so it's sore, I overcome it. So at one part, that's a natural, and it's warming up and it's just getting used to the back, the, some of the um, impact that running's causing, just moving it, loosening the joints. And then the other part to that is where, there's an, where you are misreading an injury and hoping for the best that it comes good. Um, and uh, for quite up until it's really severe, people keep going. I mean, yeah, I can keep going at this. And then you watch their, I mean, I've done this as well, I've, that their gait changes a bit to compensate and that creates another type of injury. But they can still go and they can still join in the social, and then they can still join in the social media and the social connections. So they work, their stuff goes on to Strava and they get all the likes. And that's good because you get, they've got a social group, not just, for the people they meet up with, but it's the they get it's the it's getting used to it's getting used to overcoming soreness and they're getting good at it and then not recognizing that um, I need to do something different and also not valuing the other activities enough yeah. to yeah. want to do it and learning to be good at the other activities. I think I think that takes a while as well, um, and then seeing them seeing them transfer. And I think we've had some of the runners who have been injured a bit. And then done really well in marathons. And they talk about their cross training. And I, I love it when you hear that because it's not the mindset I've got to do 100k a week. And that getting into that and that, that um, distance bit really is, un, I think, really unhelpful because distance, if, you, if distance was the goal, then you'd make sure that all your runs are on the flat. Yeah. You'd yeah. Make sure you never go out in a strong wind. Uh, I've done. I mean, I've, I've I've done this. I've done this mainly with cycling, where I say I'm going to cycle so many, you know, so many miles, and then I'm thinking I've got, I don't know, eighty miles to go on the final day, and I'm thinking, where shall I go? Where and this is where shall I go? Where it's really flat. And I'll tell you what. Right, there's a six mile loop here. It's pancake flat. Right. So what I can do is, um, I'll just do laps of that. <laughs> yeah. And so the, uh, the I mean, that's fine. It builds something in, but you go actually. Well, why? You know, that isn't necessarily going to be the best for your running. And the idea that um, it's miles, and we want to polarize your training. So we want the easy stuff to be easy, and that's a the a real difficulty for people to run really easy. And and they you can hear it in their minds that they're not running easy because you go. Go for a run today. Yeah, it was, it was really easy. I did. Um, and they say I, They then explain it by the speed. Yeah. <laughs> I go, yeah. Okay, but um, which is good. I understand that. And they've got, uh, the recording. It's quite good because you, then you're consciously running. 
but actually all you've got is a, a, a good run or a fat is all done by the speed when actually you'd go if it's meant to be an easy run was it easy yeah how easy was it yeah. not how fast was it how easy was it um was it a re recovery run well how recovered did you, how recovered did you feel afterwards um was it i mean i think i think having it i do exercises to it's like mood busters so you cheers you up in the morning so you go for a run to basically to start the day off um and yeah. you have to go in quickly you don't have to do run quickly to do that you have to go with the goal of coming back feeling really good yeah yeah so the um the uh and you i mean my run this morning was just about 5k it took me about 45 minutes in time which is not all running because i do some stretching um uh and some a few exercises be you you know it posts up to strava and you get comments sometimes yeah, well, that's yeah. A bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's well, exactly it that's it isn't well, it yeah yeah um sluggish well, today <laughs> well yeah yeah but and the better you are the, so the, the the more the comments comes if you're a, if you're a competitive runner and you go for a, something like that you get comments so people don't want to put it onto Strava. Yeah. And that, that I get that. I, I understand why you wouldn't want to do that. But the other side to that is, well, actually what you've done is the morning you've got out, it's a nice sunny day here. You run around Stowepool. There's there's five swans on the on the on the thing. There's all the uh, ducklings and so on. Um you can run quickly, but you don't have to run quickly today. And today was just jogging around and I listened to podcasts. I've been listening to a podcast, really interesting. And um, the and if you actually want to listen to something you get here comes some theories that if you exercise really quite hard you can't physiological sensations override it so you have to learn to run you have to run really slowly so you actually want to listen to it running slowly is is the best way to do so yeah um, if you were and so if you want to take in your environment and then that's a good way you have to, you have to run slowly so you consciously run slowly so uh, so that um, you can listen to it and I run as slow as possible, so it's all. I don't care if it's walking. Actually, I don't, it's it's not walking, but it's just about running. Yeah. It's not much really running. It's about as effortless as possible. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of quite nice. And that, and and I'm also doing some of that at the gym, where I'm going on a woodway treadmill, which are the the, the and that, that which are the non-motorized ones. Oh right, okay, yeah, I was going to ask. Non-motorized treadmill and the. Um, the uh, trick on this one is the, is it, I, they are quite hard to run on because you um, have to the you find that your leg or my find with me my legs don't pull each don't pull you around evenly. It's a make it's a really quite nice um, bit of training to try and get the feel of your foot as it lands. Yeah, so I'm trying to get I'm trying to zoom in my concentration to each foot and each sort of cycle of feeting to try and get the feel of what of which part of my foot lands as to how much grip you can get on for each time um, and to get them the smoothness of it. And so it's that, that ability to concentrate on your feet um, is helped by the wood, the, the non-motorized treadmill, because it, you just go, all the other times you, it just, it just happens so quickly. Yeah. yeah. You're not got the concentration in. So it's, I mean, it's not, you just, I mean, you just, I'm playing around with it because um, it's different and it's a, it's a, the, the, but there is a joy of learning a new skill in that regard to, to um, running on one of those treadmills. But 
I'm noticing that one leg does slightly more than the other. Yeah. Might be a, I might get a bit of, which is not unsurprising, but the, um, when you're trying to run gently, you just want to be able to run, I want to, I want to be able to run really gently. So both legs are really, it really um, do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, what do you think people should look out for then? What, what could they use as a guide that they're running in this kind of easy way that, that you're talking about? Yeah. The, the, um, um, uh, the, it's taking in this, I do it by having an external something to listen to watch to look at. Yeah. So whilst you can watch something, look at something, um, hold a conversation completely hold a conversation yeah. then you're running at a low enough intensity where the, where the goal is to run a low intensity a you can't run slow enough ah. learning at this the and the mindset that pushes it to be a bit faster isn't necessary isn't necessary yeah. so you just going just just chip along night as relaxed as possible and what you what, and just take in take into account your environment and you make that easier by making the environment better. So you pick somewhere nice to run or nice to watch. Yeah. So if you're going to the gym, is this is the time when you run watching um, whatever you want to watch. Yeah. I, I, I think what running, watch, marathon training, running, watching football matches um, is quite entertaining. Um, because well, one because they go for ninety minutes. So and so you've got a forty-five minute bit, then you can go to the lure so then watch then watch the second half and then the funny part is is that if the game gets a little bit exciting you've got to then keep on the treadmill because <laughs> you then realize that you are not very where, where you are watching it but you're not really watching it you're really concentrating on what you're doing and where it really draws your attention to actually the game you find that you can't do the secondary activity at all um, and but you actually get you can get you can get better at doing that. So you can go you, you can get where you can learn you run run faster where you completely dissociate. And that's I mean if you're if you're trying to run a, a um, you you can you find out the part that um, you, how fast you can run where you can can completely dissociate, mm. which is quite useful. Um, yeah, I mean you're sort of starting to. I suppose we're starting to tap into, you know, different different ways we can use the, you know, our focus and attention, depending on what kind of running it is. And, and now I'm tempted to sort of move towards ultra running mm. and thinking about that and, and the different thinking tools you need while you're out all day, number of days or, or whatever. That sounds like one that could be quite useful. Absolutely. Well, the um, the um, ultra, you need a lot of patience, don't you? You need to accept that um, that what you're going to be doing at uh, nine o'clock in the morning is the same thing you're going to be doing at nine o'clock in the evening. <laughs> yeah. Right. And whatever that, if you said, "All right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit. That I'm going to I am going to do something really easy for twelve hours." Yeah. Okay. Go on. See how bored you get. And see if you can see if you can hold your motivation to say this is worth doing <laughs> and what because what you won't there'll be waves of big like what waste of time i'm doing this for i should be doing and then i should be should be spending more time with this or i should be doing this or, i'm going to do yeah um all of those or some of those thoughts will come at you if you do an ultra race unless you've worked on them that 
the uh, to be able to hold your concentration to remind yourself that the, you you have committed to for probably 24 hours of running and the, the, the you're habituated to think oh, i need to have a good night's sleep well you do you don't if you're going to do a 24 hour run and you don't need a good night's sleep you do a 24 hour run <laughs> you try and run for 24 hours and you take and you you work out that you probably will sleep for a bit you, you are in a you are on outdoors in a sleeping in awkward conditions it might not be the best sleep possible it's not going to be moved to a hotel um and so on but the if 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 you know when you do some work on on what um, ultra runners do for 24 hours and the best ones don't they might have some some very very short sleeps and yeah and then when you look at look at how fast they go and how um and, and how it works you go well they're not the actual one for one mile most people could go yeah i can do that mm. and that's good i think that's really i think that's really motivating i think that for a lot of people you you probably could you certainly can keep up i mean you can't keep up with um uh kipchoge yeah. for yeah. <laughs> for his two-hour marathon i don't know for 30 meters <laughs> the um but ultras you can keep up but you if you keeping up means uh, that you don't have an hour break don't for lunch don't mean you don't have many sleep breaks and how long it takes you to um if you sleep if you rest for 15 minutes you to actually run that catch catch that back up running you really have to put some put some pace on and if you walk for a mile and it takes you 20 minutes and you run for a mile and you know you you can see how just keeping going is a really a functional strategy yeah. you just got to work out that if, if you have some sleep what what the um, effect that has going to be on your overall time yeah um but it's people can cope without a day's sleep that's the other part yeah well, for one day you, you've got no you could um what what will be difficult is your mindset is that um you you have to go to sleep and the I mean, the work I've done with people doing ultras is to work, help them work through the where their where their circadian rhythms are really working against them. So if they are the, the waves of horrible fatigue they get um, at what, say three in the morning sometimes, is you know why don't you get confident at running at three in the morning? Why don't you actually do some runs in the preparation for this where you do not do night runs and get up at three in the morning and go for a run, just so that you get get used to narrating yourself into being able to cope with this so that you feel like you can do it yeah because at one part there will be that i can't run at three in the morning if that is your mindset i'm i'm going to get really tired i'm going to uh, uh, really early then you're kind of waiting for that to happen whereas opposed to if you're competitive as an ultra you know i'm waiting it's then on the other side i'm waiting for my competitors to have their their their, their um, wave of fatigue and then i'm going to keep going and put some distance in between them yeah yeah um ultras is this is um, interesting because there's you can people can get quite competitive um, and being competitive is possible by adhering to a lot of the strategies to not rest all the time or run the whole thing um and see so, you know people can do entry level ultras like the thunder run you know the thunder run there's a which one's that 
well, it's um, in Catton Park in the Midlands, standing up this, but it's, um, you know, it's a, a campsite of people where there's there are teams and individuals. The people who win it are quite are serious, but they're not the they're not they're not the real serious serious ultra runners. Great yeah. way to start. Very 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 social. There's all all the teams are all camped up. They're really enjoying it. There's always people on the course, so ultras you can get lost on on your yeah. own. Yeah, I, I I know that one. <laughs> 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 the extra few miles don't go down well it's it's very stressful <laughs> oh dear oh dear yeah no. yeah um, <laughs> yeah uh, and so yeah the um and just doing doing laps it's you once you've done two or three laps you are confident you know the route um and then you just you just keep going but quite a lot of them quite a lot of people don't do the whole 24 hours ah that's is that one of the timed um yeah circuits so okay okay because they there's a quite a famous one in tooting as well isn't there okay yeah they run round and round for um 24 hours i think i chatted to ad Harrenan about that um he he had a go i think if i remember rightly yeah. and um i remember running past that track actually and, and thinking about it and that would be that would be a different challenge sort of knowing you're going from a to b Okay, and it's going to take 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever. You know, you, you kind of set your gauge and, and off you go. But the thought of going round and round and round seems to me to be a very different thing. Mm. Yeah, we, we um, runners, again, they, 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 um, they complain that running around a track's boring. I agree with that. Good point. <laughs> running around um, a treadmill, boring. I agree to that point. And I'll say, right. We're now, I'm now going to introduce you to my friend, the swimmer. Right? <laughs> and it's four, two hours to three hours a day looking um, with, with goggles on to mist up their eyes into, onto, the, onto a line. Right? Nothing more. <laughs> Nothing more. Um, who's got, who, what's more boring? What's more boring? And then the, the conversation stops at that point, of course. You, the, uh, the, um, absolutely. But what, the, and you're not, we're not used to it, so we're used to being stimulated by the environment changing. Um, yeah. But if the environment is really boring, we start finding other things to look at. So we, uh, we then start what the you know, swimmers are, don't get so bored because they, have, they run a narrative through their head. So they, they've learned and they expect not to be able to look, not to be looking at things. I mean that that's I, I just got hit with a wave of not not boredom that sound that might sound rude but just just think thinking about a swimmer and and we you know and Greg comes to mind and, and he's an old friend of yours and so I was just thinking you know how how does a swimmer keep going for two hours you say maybe three hours I mean what what is that narrative that keeps them going seeing the same thing yeah well um uh, one is you can put your brain into neutral and you don't have to think about where your decision making. There's an, there's an element of relaxation about that. This for starters. Um, the, there's a goal that you want to swim for that distance and for that time for, for another part. So just as you say, I'm going for a 10 minute swim, five, 10 minutes, something really short and a tail, we go, yeah, I can do it. We can all do that. Then you just lengthen it and it becomes just as realistic for most swimming um, sessions. They are broken down into, into a series of smaller parts, aren't they? Yeah. 
Um, I think one of them, Grona Griggs, is his, it's his favourite, and it works in all sports, but it's the 100 reps, 100 times 100 metres. Love it. Right. Um, 100, 100 times 100, which would be... <laughs> and it, the um, if you're running 100 times 100 metres, and you can put it at whatever pace you want, but at just a pace, just quick enough, that it's difficult. And so that within two or three, you go, this is quite hard. Can I do any more? And Another 97. <laughs> well, the people give it's, it's, I mean, the thoughts of giving up, you go, well, why, why do I need to give up now? Right? Just, so you talk, why, why do you need to give up now? I can't do that. I'm going to be able to do 100. Okay. But why? So we're at four. Can you do five? Yeah. Can you do, five? Can you do six? And so the, 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 ever, the thought that I could do, I need to do 100. It's absolutely not worth ent- no, what worth entertaining. What, what it's like to be, you know, not tired at four. What will I be like at 87? No point thinking about 87. Think about five. Yeah, mm. I can think, think about six. And it sounds obvious, but what that session will does really nicely. It does lots of things. What it does really nicely forces people to think about the, um, um, to concentrate on the here and now. So if they're swimming, it would be okay. Well, next rep, try and get try and um, get your end, your arm entry a bit smoother. If you put your arm and or try and think of your or your your body rotation, get more power in. Or, and so you think, or what a strategy to push harder on this, or however it's going to be, um, or or sprint the first twenty five meters, and so on. The um, the uh, and come up with a plan. Really, really interesting on the on the on the reps. I worked out when I was doing part did part of the lots of park runs. I've done four hundred over four hundred park runs. Wow. Yeah. The, um, and we did one. We used to do Bruton Park every week. We were core volunteers, so we'd turn up uh, and we put up all the signs up every week for two years, maybe three years. So the one case sign and all that. I'd go on holiday. I'd see the photos on the website. And then I'd be on the social media and say, you put the, 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 the 1K sign goes by the wonky tree and opposite the bench, right? <laughs> it's not in the right place. Right? <laughs> and people say, yeah, no, it's terrible. Let's look, you're not there. <laughs> so Br- Bruton Park, where we did it, has, had about seven bends, right? seven tight bends over across the two laps. Some, something that might have been more than that, but it's about seven. And I, I, I worked out, this is, I worked out that in order to, I wanted to get under. Um, I wanted to get under eighteen minutes for um, for ages. Wow! Um, and the uh, I got eighteen oh two, eighteen oh three, eighteen oh four. So where am I going to get that part? And you kind of think, well, I need to doing more running at, at at the at the at the even pace for the whole event. But then I worked out. No, you don't. No, you don't know what you, you'll do this by. If the time it takes you to get from the how much you slow down to get around that bend to get yeah. back up to ten to meters, if across those seven you can save seventy meters, um, you will go about five seconds quicker. So the, I thought oh, this is fantastic. My little short sprint things. Now I've got a very specific goal against yeah. the long goal. It, it makes it feels like well, why would accelerating have any difference? Well. Actually, the accelerating bit of getting yourself up to top speed um, is is um, fundamental to getting the goal that you. I mean, um, 
uh, my athletics career is one of persistence to goals that are, not, are too hard for me, but not <laughs> accepting that. <laughs> I mean, and not accepting that. Um, well, uh, I get the. So I mean, like the. Um, this is the. We are the. Uh, this is the post forties sub eighteens. The um, and eventually you get there, and which is you get there on a on a on a you get there on a good day, and then. Um, you, you, yeah, there's another thing you work at the extent to which wind conditions uh, can make a difference and a hardest effort um, makes about there's about 20 seconds variation for weather yeah on a 5k you go which was i thought very educational for me that you, some weeks you could do a bit slower and you just wouldn't judge it negatively because you just totally calm that you gave the best effort for the moment and it was in those in the in the weather conditions and sometimes you couldn't always do that so you it became very good for not getting so down that you, you're trying to do sub 18 and in some weeks it was in it would it was very 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 difficult because of the weather conditions um but you give most people don't give themselves much flexibility into that um, yeah, there's there's always circumstances, aren't there? And, and loads of hidden variables. Loads of, you know, it's not like we can press and get a readout of how our biology is at that time. And we, we know if we had a good night's sleep or, we had, or you know, we weren't we're stressed about or, you know, whatever. But but we don't have access to all that that data. So there's always circumstances. And but people are hard on themselves, aren't they? In that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've done studies into this in yes. Yeah. I enjoy running, but so why is my self-talk so utterly derogatory? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I mean, uh, and running is a great one for, for um, helping people to manage their own self-talk. And the, sim the simple intervention is to get somebody to pace somebody else around. And, and then the, the question at the end is, well, what were they like? And the person almost always says they were great, taught me up the hills, they taught me around. And uh, the, so they've said, and and you, they listen to each other and you say, well, what do you normally say to yourself? And it's just, a, you know, what, what would be your motivators? What would they all say to you? Would, would, you, would they say anything similar to what you say to yourself? And, and we all get that if you're running up a hill and you slow down and you've got a goal, you're going to feel, not feel good about yourself. But actually, berating yourself might not be the best strategy to get yourself up the hill. And it might be you need to, Accept it. the level of physiological discomfort is is high, but that doesn't have to come with you abusing yourself. Yeah, yeah. it comes with that's hard enough without. And when that comes, we're, humans are hardwired not to kill themselves by running, and therefore the brain goes, "We'll tell you that this is really hard," and to slow down, and that it comes in by lobbing thoughts into you. Yeah, it lobs thoughts. Well, this is this is this is too hard, and and. Kind of accept that noise you say to yourself um, to a point, but you don't need to. You don't need to engage and enjoy it. You don't need to engage with it and um, sort of egg it on a little bit, but try and just ignore it. It's. I mean, that that obviously sounds a lot like mindful type practice. Mindful, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, being mindful is really important for all of us. Our minds aren't. Um, they do. They do, they'll do their own thing. <laughs> Um, the the mind is a bit like the weather. Along come the clouds. Um, it's, if it's going to rain, it doesn't make you a bad person. It means you suddenly. Where, you know, where, 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 it's quite nice to be mindful. Where did that? Where did that thought come from? 
gosh, why am I thinking that? As opposed to, I'm how I am now like that. Yeah. So I'm not. I am not a good person. No. Oh, where did that thought come into it? What am I going to do with that thought? And then you can getting good at being able to um, respond to your own thoughts is quite useful. So you, you need elements of self-awareness then. You need, I think you need a lot of self-awareness in that regard. Yeah. Um, not so that you're so super hyper monitoring yourself, but um, uh, it's the point when to ignore as well. When to ignore, when to, I mean, when to ignore. Uh, we all get nervous on the start line. Uh, we can use those emotions to drive us to go really hard or we can just accept them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm nervous, and I need to go to the loo. Um, they, right? I'm not the, and yeah, I'm nervous. So I'm just gonna. Once the race starts, all of that goes. Yeah. Just need to. Just we just need to accept that, and then go to the start. And you can you can do a whole load of things that can minimise that. The um, uh, if getting nervous is partly because uh, you've got other runners going. Oh, you're looking good today. You're gonna win. Or, <laughs> Ooh, got a bit of a limp on there or whatever as they do yeah. right people out from those um is it that um you're overcooking your own strategies um then it might be to go and talk to some of those immerse yourself in the rubbish that they're talking about um go and say you know go and have a chat with somebody else or is it that you then want to do you could do some um uh, mental preparation maybe maybe some Im imagery yourself running to try and get a sense of what smooth fast running feels like because that's quite important to try and reconnect to that um, some of the breathing exercises are really useful to try and get your concentration and control back to you within yourself which is really quite important but from things like running starting a running event the strategy typically would be to someone is to not go out as if their shorts are on fire <laughs> Right. your shorts are not on fire you have to light them and run off your shorts on fire <laughs> um, unless you're in a very in a short short distance race but for you know, the the marathon runners that is that isn't the case and I mean, people have got into uh, into i need to run on feel you, you can run on feel that's fine but it's all, a good strategy for the start of a marathon is to put your watch on to so that the pace is going and for that not to go over a certain speed right if you look down and it says 545 right do not think you're on for you you're, you're you know that's going to be sustained it's never been sustained <laughs> right the um it's a the the wave of emotion it's why the you know, london marathon you go over tower bridge you go around the corner um and then there's a drink station and just after the drink station the the adrenaline that's come from that bridge and that push is just about gone just about yeah. lower and then all of a sudden people have got half marathon into the east end which actually is, is now full of people so it wasn't it's not as um as it used to be but it um it's very the you go for a glory bit arousal high yeah and then drops and it um yeah you, you can see the suddenly realization of what's going on yeah, that, I mean that's that's it, isn't it? I mean, I've I've done the London Marathon once, and and um, you get those intense, and some some of the channels are really quite narrow, where you you know you've got people 
shouting, shouting. And sometimes it was, I found it too much. But yeah, then suddenly it's really quiet and, and you're, you're kind of hit with your own thoughts and feelings and bodily sensations. Woof. Um, and I it's think, fascinating. Yeah, I, I think everybody should try and do the London Marathon because it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing experience. Um, but it's actually, um, if you're, the, your type, the type of run you have is massively different for how quick you are. So the further up you go, the, the, the more open the spaces are and um, the difference, it's a very different run. The, um, I've watched the London Marathon uh, one year where you look at the, the lead women come through and the crowd aren't ready for them in most of the cases and they're quite spread out. And then the lead men start, the men start coming through uh, and they're quite spread out as well. Um, and I know this when I, when I, I ran it under, under three hours and the under three hours bit, that puts you in the first thousand and you can run. You can see the blue line the whole way. You can get the drinks. You know, there, aren't, there aren't people in the way. The crowds are they've absolutely warmed up for you. It's, 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 a mag, it's like running out onto the, there's motivation from the crowd the whole way. Yeah. Right? You've got, you're not that quick. So, I mean, Elvis passed me on the embankment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, see, I kind of looked up and, and you see, yeah, I'm all shook up and he carried on. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, um, and then other times where I've done it in four hours, it is the bottles, there's bottles everywhere. The people, people just cut right across you to see people in the crowd in on mass of a four. And you're zigzagging around a little bit, and it's not, okay, but that it's, it's like driving a car in, in congested traffic. That the concentration is, and I thought this is really hard. Yeah. But I so much enjoyed the uh, the um, the other end where you can just put your head down and you just look at the blue line and run. This, this is back to running around a track and having no one distracting you. Um, You've got a roar of a crowd, which creates a sense that it's important and valuable, but you've got nothing blocking you against everybody around you the whole time massively different massively different uh, but it is real i, I think every I mean, people can't get into doing it but it's, it's a really good experience the whole collective sense of um of of doing that long distance and then this the shared achievement that comes across from everyone i think is magnificent yeah. and the support from the crowd is is um in terms of that valuing running and, and is really good it's yeah yeah the uh, um, I mean, when you do when you the when the quicker ones you come over as you as you're about to go on the embankment you, you go up and you look over and you can see people who've just done over halfway yeah. and some of them are broken you think far out you've you, you've actually just, you're just about to drip drop on and you've got about four miles to go and you're at that point where it does not matter how hard it's going to get. Because you you know you can bear it you can you can you've, you've now got yourself into the mindset I'm now going to finish this and go as fast as possible. Yeah. Look across and in, in the same experience that you think what would another thirteen mil, miles be like when you look that tired? And the, yeah. the mass I mean you have massive respect for how tough that is for people. Oh. It is. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing seeing how mm -hmm. some people keep going and and in. In some ways, I always find that more impressive. I mean, even even you know going out running locally, wherever you know you see certain people you know moving along, and you and I find that 
usually more impressive because I know to get those shoes on, to get out the door has taken a mammoth amount of self-motivation compared to someone who, you know, is clearly a runner and looks great and all the rest of it. Um, I I don't know. They're just, they're just different experiences. Um, But, um, uh, but it sort of really demonstrates that how much running offers so much to so many people and you can just do it in your own way. Absolutely. And, and what one of the key messages is that people should value their, what they're doing. Not if you don't have to be quick for it to be valued. It's what you value in it. And the people, um, um, if because they're just because you uh, are going a bit slower, doesn't mean that it's just, as, it's, it's a massive achievement and, not, and to actually give themselves credit for it. And you hear people say, oh, I did this, but it's only this. Yeah. Well, no, the the um, you you know pushing yourself for five hours and four or five hours which some of those London five hours what's the average at London is about that isn't it four fifty something it's hard work I did a talk on ultra running and I'll, the, the the many of the you know ultra runners are fifty mile races are fifty miles the elite ultra runners are finished by then yeah yeah they're finished by then and the the mindset of well are you going to be pushing hard for four or five hours is colossal and it's you know you go actually you are that taking that on to push yourself that hard for that long and you, you're not seeing it as a massive achievement it is an absolute massive achievement yeah. if if what you were doing was um um was seen as um was recognized for for the effort that you're putting in then everyone would be able to see how good that was but yeah. it's just because of you know people some people um just better runners aren't they and yeah keep choking running's utterly what looks like effortless yeah against yeah. um um i could say myself it looks like you went up the um the uh, yeah yeah looks like it's, uh, when you run it looks like you've got a wasp in your shorts <laughs> i haven't yeah, yeah i know i know yeah yeah it's not i've not got very long legs they, yeah. they have to run yeah 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 there's not a wasp down there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. If there was ever a less graceful runner, yeah. I don't know. I think I think I could compete with you on um, on on that one. Um, but but it seems I I think yeah. some people also feel that you know a lot of the, the you know you've mentioned different techniques and strategies and things just in the conversation we've been having and. And people sort of think, oh, they're they're for the elites or they're for the proper runners or that. But actually, you know, these are the, the habits of peak performers. I think can be applied to to everyone, not just for running in life as well. Yeah, the, the, I think I don't think we do ourselves a service by not telling people, children in school, their psychological skills like goal setting, imagery, self talk, relaxation. Go and learn them. We'll teach you them. You'll, you will go for job interviews, driving, driving um, tests, exams, where you're going to get nervous, where you concentration isn't on what you want. Well, actually, if you do imagery, if you do self-talk, when that well, I can't do it comes in, you'll have a strategy that says, yeah, why don't you start? Why don't you chip away? Let, let's remember some times where you perform that bit quite well. Let's give you some strategies that you can apply to, might be sport, but let's transfer them across. Um, and we're not good at that. We're, we're not good at that. I mean, I, um, you know, elite athletes 
are very goal driven, but so are a lot of people goal driven. And getting good at goal setting is is a, a skill. Um, people set outcome goals, which are fine, but then that's only the start. What from that you've got to go? Okay, what does that mean in terms of that? Might be the, the long term, the short term, but then fundamentally, in the next moment, what what is the best thing to be concentrating on in order to to do the best version of that performance possible? And and how do we achieve that? And break that down. So running, I'm in in running for I into in I'm into far much of the of in getting people to focus on the skills and trying to be as smooth in them. Again, so ironically by how I move, but to be as smooth in their movement as possible. So imagery of a ball coming out the top of their head, trying to run relaxed in their arms, as opposed to trying to watch the watch what the watch is doing. Because if you get the process bits right, and each stroke and each stroke and step is as smooth as possible, there's every chance that it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and trying to get to get what that feels like and be really switched on to be able to the mechanics of it, and so that you um, move along quite effortlessly. And then do it's why you know, drills are quite useful, but it might be seen as boring. But they may be good for physically but they are you can tune your mind in can i concentrate on my arms can i concentrate on what my legs do what i mean it's why that the wood the um, non-motorized treadmill is quite interesting for me at the moment is what do my feet feel like when i'm running yeah and it's to actually concentrate on that's quite difficult but that bit of kit actually allowing me to do so so well, actually this is quite good because one leg seems to pull more than the other sometimes and we and so on it's and, and which may be irrelevant, but actually you are teaching some concentration skills. So, so absolutely the, the learning psychological skills, are, sometimes elite athletes use them. Certainly they get profiled for it, but they are not just for elite athletes. Everybody can benefit from these. Um, we did that big project with the BBC in, two, in 2012, which was great on this. We looked at psychological skills online to how can we teach them online? We had a whole load of them which can be taught online, and we gave people a short test to do, just a perform a concentration test. We measured their emotions. We did this with um, this. Was, I mean, one of my this is the most enjoyable project. We did it with Michael Johnson, the the sprinter, mm. and he narrated all the interventions. Um, Forty five thousand people did it, so it was a good wow. sample size. Um, launched off the one show. Great times. This I, I um, Ricky Gervais and Michael Johnson both did the test. That was great. Um, and it was, I mean, for your own, for me, there's a for your, your own work to be profiled on the TV like that was was great. Yeah. All the work, all the words Michael narrates in the interventions. In essence, I wrote, which was I, mean, I remember um, we were the BBC were tweaking all that. Great to work with because really switched on to what how this how this comes across in the in the mind of the everyday person and so they'd be and they're quite they were quite good at managing me as well in terms of i'd write something in an academic way and they'd come back with this oh, shame is a bit like this <laughs> <laughs> you, you think well what what they're doing is is um you know one image is that you think oh they, they, it's okay but actually, what could have happened is, is that they've gone, oh, geez, look at the state of this. But this academic who's writing in his academic way, and he's annoyed, no one will follow this. <laughs> yeah. So they go for a walk in their office, calm down and go, right, we're going to manage the academic like this. And I'm not getting, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting that. But I, what could, it's only what you think about what could have been happening is that they, 
they're learning to they're managing me to get it to the best way possible but um and it was good and you know michael came over and did the acting which was good and rated it all and you, that's your test of credibility does the one of the biggest ever ever athletes think it's a good project um great video they did um as other um as the london games were being um built um to the Eminem music, lose yourself to sort of set the thing up. Played on the big screens across. I mean, it's great. Played on the big screens in all the major cities. So I'd go to Birmingham and I'd see this lose yourself advert for our project going on. One of the few times my daughter said she was proud of me. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> she was in Birmingham with her mates and that was being played on and it was um, our stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. And what did, you, what did you take away from that? What did you learn from that whole project? Well, the, I mean, the um, the uh, what it, what you got was that um, you got people can learn skills really quickly. So they had four tests and they improved each time. They got better at it, which is good. And which which isn't that is not remarkable at all. But it's it's good to set up an experiment where people are motivated that the actual thing is motivating enough for people to want to do it. So if you were asking people to learn mental skills. They can they can they can um, um, get from this. So simply from scientifically, that psyching yourself up is quite good for short duration tasks, and psyching yourself up, having most process motivational goals, is a good way of doing it. So f focusing on being saying something, I'm going to be as fast as possible. Really, just just simple pep talk prior to it uh, made a bit of, made a difference. So it kind of lends itself to the theory and the idea that mental preparation before a task is better comes out um, as a, one of the findings. So if you don't use any mental preparation, you go quite a lot slower. Uh, interesting, it is an interesting, it's, it's a bit sciencey, but interestingly, and is that the control group were given basically, um, Michael Johnson said, you've had a go, have another go. Right. Of course, they get better as well. They do better than some of the interventions. Um, but they do better than the interventions that reduced arousal. So we had interventions that made people less arousal. So the, the, the active control meant um, also associated people feeling more positive and more energetic, but not as much as where they'd done an, uh, uh, an intervention designed to make them feel more energetic. So there was a difference in the intervention, which was meant to psych yourself up. Yeah. But it's it interesting that where you've got a control, an active control, where you've got motivated people, they get better. Um, we in our data has got people for whom either the sound didn't work, so they couldn't hear Michael, or they skipped. Mm. So you put those in, um, there's about 11, I think it's 11,000 of those. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not a proper, it's not, it's a no treatment group, but it's not a proper control group because they're not randomized into the control group. They, they have made an active decision to either skip the intervention or uh, a non-active decision, their sound card in their computer doesn't work um, to get the sound on. And you know, the and but what you get from that is that they they perform a lot worse than the than the active control and a lot worse than the um, and a lot worse than the intervention group. But they still get better at each round. So they're not unmotivated. They're not got the in some of the tests I've done with people in some studies, people just don't get better. And you can imagine this and with, with where you recruit um, participants who don't really want to do the study. Right. 
how many people, when you're walking along, someone comes up to you and goes, I've got a questionnaire out. Oh, you've got a questionnaire out for me? Oh, really? yeah. No, come along. I'll be there all day. Yeah, all day. Yeah. Oh, and straight out, oh, do you want me to do anything? And he goes, yeah, don't worry. I love it. No one does that. So he's at the page one of the questionnaire and all, all of that person is just ticking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very much so you wanted it. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. Well, you know what I mean. Can you just, and so on. People, you know, <laughs> we've had the... Um, in our in the in my experience as a researcher, my one of the studies I did for one of the first studies I did was to collect anxiety data at triathlons. Um, I hand I we hand, handed out hundreds, asked people to do it, got hardly any, relatively thousand, two hundred out of a thousand sort of thing. Uh, we then did some research on mood with this really simple questionnaire, trundled down the London Youth Games in early 90s and got nearly 1,500 people. Oh, you sewed them the questionnaire, there's hardly any words, and they read and go tick, 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 and they hand it back in 20 seconds. That's how you do research. You do yeah. research by engaging the people. So in the ASTA, the, the control groups where people um, are brought in, and they don't really want to do it, and it's, they don't really want to do the task, and it's a bit difficult. And then you have an intervention that works. So you've got an intervention where you've said, come to this intervention, it will be, it's going to make you go better. It's not too surprising, you get a difference. So yeah. I think what we've got in ours was, was some nice data on, act, on active controls and where, so the intervention that does work is probably a bigger effect than what we're showing. Yeah. Um, but it offers for, for me a real insight into the experimental process in, into how you've got to manage beliefs that this will work. Um, and I mean, I'll go around to Tesco, go into to various supermarkets, um, uh, and you see wave after wave and row after row of boxes of protein powder or so-and-so, which makes these claims. You read them, I don't know what's in them. Uh, I don't quite know what's in all of them. My wife is quite good at looking through the looking through the um, ingredients and then saying no, 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 no. And then then what she'll do is she'll go and get um, the ice cream tub and go actually eighty percent match on that, <laughs> right? Um, or seventy percent match on that. And so actually, it's you've, you've what you've got is a um, milkshake and milk powder. It's because not all of that it's not quite that in some, in some of them it is yeah. some of them is but these are really expensive but on the, but on the front of it a is that well i mean maybe milkshake and milk powder is just as good anyway but on the front of it but next quick has got chocolatey tasting lovely um the other one it's got build your muscle up yeah right, right? well actually um uh, some of the products while they're marketed very differently they have got a lot of common ingredients and so you go, actually, well, what's the evidence that this ever works? And, well, the, um, the uh, intervention against control, it does work. Um, blind control, uh, yeah, have we got any goods on that? Have we got a blind control where we've, where, where we've got people who have gone into the study with existing beliefs that this works and existing beliefs that this doesn't work? Because that positive, negative, um, will, will this likely work on me is massive influence on on whether whether the treatment works and some of the studies we um, or my colleague chris speedy has done in placebo and we've done studies with placebo is you, you 
you give people you get people who think who, who feel caffeine really helps them you psych them up and say we've got this new caffeine product which is going to be really good and we think it's going to make you go much quicker you give them the caffeine product they then perform they then go really well you then go that's really great and you're talking through their results with them and they're telling you how strong they felt and halfway through the interview you switch and you go but you had the you had the no treatment you had the um uh, neutral and they go no i didn't yeah <laughs> no i didn't you had the neutral there's no caffeine in what you had it was a it was a um and what had happened is they've gone faster they've placeboed themselves yeah the the mechanism which released the energy wasn't the act wasn't the active treatment they had they released their energy via their own mechanisms yeah and that is really powerful and I think we've all got that. And I think the within where you go, this is going to work. Um, and the goal is really important. And so you really, so you actually want the pathways to live to um, liberate the energy, make it available. Then you, you work quite hard to do so. And if, you, if you're taking something or have got a process that you think really works, you are in essence going to unlock as much potential as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you differentiate between actual energy increase or boost and the perception of it? Because your perception is your reality, of course. If I feel more energized, I feel more energized, whether there's anything biologically happening or not. Yeah, you, can, you measure both of those. You measure both of those. Um, the, um, we did a nice study where we manipulated emotions during a 10-mile time trial on the bike where we wanted people to be reg to, to in, in essence be regulating unpleasant emotions so in one can pleasant and unpleasant in one condition when they got to a, a mile we lied to where they where they were going and we blinded everything from them so they so where in the negative one they, we told them they were further back from where they expected in the positive one we told they were ahead from in head and we got the, the emotional response accordingly we got the physiological response as well and that they when they were behind they then tried harder yeah um, the, and, and what you get is that you get two you get two um, conditions one where you've been positively um even positive information and the other is you've been negative information there's no hardly any difference in the performance in terms of actual time yeah but there's a massive and there's, there's a massive massive difference in the physiological response in that the negative one vo2 is higher lactate is sky higher the, the quality, perceived exertion, sky high, um, effort, massively high, sense of energy, massively low, and it's really hard um, in the, when the negative one. In the other one, no. It's, it's, there's, there's a, there's, if, you, if you put the two physiological profiles together, you'd say, well, you've got a headroom to go in from there to there. Yeah. Because your VO2 will go to that other one. And what, all we've got to do now is teach you to be able to convert that so that you're working efficiently because what has happened is that you have put more effort in but you haven't worked efficiently in order to go faster but the physiological potential is there yeah. what you've got to do now is convert that into um, mechanical efficiency um, so that you actually make use of the physiological that make use of the potential you've got because you can take you physically you get but your I mean, it wasn't hard but your vo2 was higher i think there was there was it was it was erratic tension, so they're pushing quite hard at times, which would have been a, a consequence. And we looked at the power, the power 
um, data and you know, very erratic in the negative one. So they were pushing hard and then the downside of that would be um, a much lower drop, whereas the other, the positive promotional performances, they were far more consistent. But you could work with that. You could go. Well, you could work with that, and the idea of being more you know, smoother in your technique and rhythmical, and being on the edge of real discomfort rather than sort of deep diving into real pain and then trying to recover. When you, when in a continuous exercise, you're never really going to recover, yeah. and the cost of any, or how much slowing down that's going to be. Um, all I mean, that's in terms of work-wise, it's fascinating because you it, there is a there's lots of potential for people to be able to un, to to change the narration or the meaning of the narration when exercise really hurts so they can cope with it and also the extent to which they work that they really need to push into it really hurting and whether that's the most efficient yeah because the negative group yeah they were doing that but it, you know that wasn't the most um that wasn't producing the most efficient performance and yeah. um we are not I mean, it's really difficult to know whether you should push harder, as in physically feel harder, and that will make you go faster, or you are on the or you are on the the fastest part possible. And there's, there's what other mechanisms can you get there to do so? so I mean, that's why I, I quite like to you know the, to to help to to get people to try different things in their training to see where the limitations of their performance are. Um, I, I mean, a, a personal example, I went on a, the Gravity Free Treadmill a while back. They're great, they are, Gravity Free Treadmill. So the, um, have you been in one? It's like, no, I've not. It's like, what is it? Well, it's the, the big trousers. Yeah. This is going to the trousers. But you go, you run on there, and you know, runners will go, yeah, if I was a bit lighter, I'd be a bit quicker. Uh, well, and you can go, well, how much lighter? You go, right, okay, then, well, um, how about going from, 11 stone to 10 stone oh yes 11, 10 stone sir yeah <laughs> yes that's a bit quicker i said oh so that that's when i was when i was 21 that's what it felt like and you can go a bit quicker and then you go right okay what about um let's uh let's go let's just drop it down you know if i was um if i was and you can work your vo2 max and all those things out how your weight would go to what it would what it would be so yes. i said i was nine and a half stone let's put it down that and that goes down and it's again it's a bit lighter and you go well how fast can i run on this thing what's the, what is going to be the limiting factor so then you've got you, we rig ourselves up with vo2 and heart rates and so on so on you go and you run onto it um and what i found it wasn't it wasn't the um it wasn't the vo2 that was letting me down to, to go sub to go as fast as possible my my, my running mechanics Ah. my running mechanics so all the time i'm doing hard drills and so and so to make my heart get any better that wasn't start getting me any any quicker i uh, well i got the weight so so down that i couldn't run any quicker in a sustained way but i had more bo i, I had um, more breathing left yeah and I, thought, well, I can't go any quicker can't run any quicker yeah. um uh, without now without sprinting and we, and we and i can't simulate i can't sort of simulate that that's not something i could sustain so the fastest running you know, well actually you've got the, the training would have to work on whatever the limitations around that style are which we don't we didn't know at the time but you're going well 
so therefore that goal of this is it's not connected to your vo2 in the same in the way that you thought it was your training should be different and you go what is that what? and you, i mean you go how will i do that and mostly you go well you need to do some strength training yeah. these bits here would just be much better if they were stronger yeah. and um yeah, I haven't done that, of course. But you, you, the, uh, we're now at the. We're now at the. This is quite sad. We're now at the. Uh, part one's kicking back out, isn't it? Yeah. Kicking back out. The. Uh, we're at the. Um, in the. In the. I've got one more year left in the under fifty fives. At one part, because I've done that. We, we did the alphabet of park runs. That's quite sad as well, isn't it? The so, alphabet, well, as in going around different ones. Yeah, you, you, you do one with A, one with B, one with C, yeah. one with D. You go to York for Y. What about Z? Z is um, in Australia. Did you do that? My wife did. Ah. She went. Um, she went back to New Zealand um, last year, um, and uh, before I did because um, her parents are not well. Um, and stopped off at Australia. I said, where are you going? And she said, yeah, I'm going to do the Z. Yeah. What is the Z? Do you know what it's called? I've forgotten what it's called. It's, it's in Australia. <laughs> there isn't an X one, but there is one, a Z one. And um, it needs to be a Brisbane. Yeah. I'll have to the, do uh, <laughs> Yeah. But you start looking at the um, age-related records for your age group. And you think, oh, is that possible? For the local park run. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, but it keeps it keeps an interest. Oh no, yeah, it keeps an interest. But but you know all that stuff that you were just saying there, you know, from the studies and observations, your own experience and, and such like, it just demonstrates that you know again, you need to look at the whole the whole person, and you know, and uh, you know, some people are obsessed with biomechanics, and some people you know obsessed with with something else. But actually, we we need this that that fullest possible picture um of the person plus their their life lifestyle and you know relationships their work family you know all of that stuff is relevant absolutely and it uh, i think the openness to if you want to improve where can where can performance improvements come from and sometimes in our own understanding of the tests we're doing are not they're not in there and so you, you be be open to what other people can um, for new ideas for how you can improve whatever I mean in running or life in general it, yeah is more effort the way you're doing it the best way to go quick to do anything better it might be and it will be to a point but it might not be the best way and to, to a reflect on your own performance but also taking others views what do you think about that around mm -hmm. that to try and you know the it's why athletes have coaches and why everyone should have mentoring and guidance to help them, what's the best solution possible? Um, you know, is it normal to get nervous to do X? Yeah, is it is, is, it, is not, I mean, in sport, we ex utterly accept that. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, and and so on. I've had academics that who, when get asked to do podcasts, really struggle, and they that they go, well, should I be preparing stuff? And you go, yeah, you can do all that, but why don't you think that you're just trying to present your message? to someone you're, you know, why not, you know, and, um, but what you've got is a set of beliefs that are driven, then driving a load of emotions, then that are driving a load of um, thoughts into actions and creating something which 
is going to create a performance which may make it really difficult. Yeah, may make it really difficult. Um, and then you know, what are the tricks to doing so? Sometimes you've got to learn them through experience, and other um, other times be be coached into doing it. Um, you know, we had Greg on the show. You know, Greg does loads of media stuff. I say to him, how, um, how comes you don't get nervous on the media, Greg? And he'll say, well, it's only talking. It's only talking. We got to, um, and you know, the uh, um, radio and TV interviews, um, uh, that the person asking the question does not know what the right answer is. You can say anything. So yeah. on that point, <laughs> they don't know what the answer is. They <laughs> ask you a question in, uh, and they've brought you on as an expert, so you answer, you answer, you you can answer any question. Yeah, yeah. They don't know that until halfway through. You're answering. <laughs> yeah. So he frames it that way, doesn't he? Because that that makes it very day to day. It's easy. I talk. I like talking. I know my stuff. If I'm relaxed, it's just going to come out. If I'm kind of thinking, oh, should I say this or that, or if I've rehearsed a, a script, it, it's. Well, it wouldn't necessarily work, would it? Well, I mean, and that you apply that to anything else in life is that if you're going into a business meeting, you're trying to hold five points in your head the whole time and listen to the people that are going on to you. So you're trying to listen to the people and hold five things in your head. That's crowded and difficult. You're going to come across as tense. Um, the, uh, if you're standing on the start of a start line and you're thinking, oh, so-and-so, what would they be like at 17 miles? Oh, I'm feeling a bit now. What about if my hamstring goes? As opposed to, um, yeah, I'm a bit nervous. When we start, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. And I um, see that person over there. I'm just going to run behind them. Um, the, uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the good for age, I, inst- I ran behind Borat. <laughs> <laughs> literally in a in a green yeah yeah, yeah. behind borat um, <laughs> i don't want to run behind borat the good for age bit in london at the side bit it's quite a narrow road i got to the front because i wanted to i wanted the time that i ran by i wanted the time that i ran by all the main clocks at the same time as mine so i was not doing any mental maths i can't do that um i can't have that because <laughs> i start you start lying to yourself yeah <laughs> it gets a bit behind you don't want to um on the same time when I'm going to get to the front and try, but I started running. So I got to the side and I thought, I'm running behind Borat. <laughs> Borat can't be that quick, but Borat was quite quick. But he was, um, Elvis got me in the end. He <laughs> came back. He was it. Yeah, yeah. It's from feelings. He's feeling so lonesome. I'm feeling so lonesome. I even know these people. <laughs> Elvis just felt, yeah, yeah. Very funny. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. But I worked out that I was going to do under three hours by then. And so I was uh, happy. You're okay. You're okay with Elvis being around. And Well, the, I was right on the edge of this is as fast as I can go. And as fast as I can go is getting me under three hours, providing they've not measured this wrong. Yeah. yeah. But, everything, but, that's, but everything was saying that they measured it. And of course they've measured it right. It's a London Marathon. And your 20 miles were hit, were, were cranking through. Because the, the 20 mile comes up. With, with the sign over the 20 mile bit, I think. Yeah. And so you don't have to do much maths. You can see it that the you get to 20 miles, in my case, under two hours, 15. And um, in my head, that I felt, well, I got really fat, um, really fat um, um, when my kids were younger. And I got to the first of the negative ages of 40. And I thought, I can't be 90 kilos anymore. So 
I decided to eat a bit differently. But I did a 10K around that time where I did 45 minutes at Tamworth and it felt like death. So <laughs> in all my head that I thought that is, for all this fitness I've gained, I can always do that. I can always beat that. So no matter how hard it would be, if I can get to two hours 15, I then have to think through the Tamworth race. If I can do it then, I can do it. I, I can do that. That is my um, backstop of, yeah. of the worst fitness I've ever been in, even though I've had a 20-mile warm-up. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, getting to that part was a massive tick on the, the um, feeling that, uh, that this is... Uh, that I mean, you know, you get the um, that this is going to be a good day, and then as you get more experience in marathon running, again, is that the uh, seeing it as twenty six is one thing, but I didn't see it as that. I saw it that I had to I had to get to a, only a park run to go, and then the, so I had to get to twenty three. So at twenty, I only had three miles to go. I had yeah. three miles to go, which which was uncertain. Then the wall can come at the wall can come as hard as it wants at twenty three. Yeah, I, and I'm going. I I am going to raise my arousal if need be to overcome that, and not slow down much. And so, but but you, it took a, a while before I got good at going. Yeah, the, I can grunt this out for quite a while. I can grunt it out, and you can train that in there with the way you get to really painful. Can you do a little bit more, and how much more can you do? At, you, gr- you learn to grunt, learn to gr- grunt it out a little bit more, and so the in, in the essence, it would be the only park run, the only park run to go sign which comes on the embankment. There's, there's about four of them. There's loads of them. There. <laughs> it was, uh, and when you've uh, when you've done three hundred park runs that I've done, then you go, I can do this. Yeah. And then you look at that and you go, whatever that was, um, uh, I don't know, twenty five. 25 minutes or 27 minutes or something like that there's no at that time I mean, it's all relative to how quickly you're going to go and all those things but the idea that you that at maximum effort that um you're going to go that much slower it's not it's not it's non it's one of those non-negotiable things that won't happen and yeah. it's also the mind it's the physical bit that physically it's really hard but the mental preparation for that part is, is that you are prepared for maximum effort and in many marathons, in many ultras, is that you're not. Because when it gets like you go, the nature of the fatigue is different. And the you just to get home is really hard. Never mind to get home and push as hard as possible. And they are slightly different. One is not to, they are slightly different. And yet you are keeping your finger down on I'm going as hard as possible button, even though the physical pace is not there. But I could at that point, I knew I could just ease it off a little bit. So it was really quite nice. I didn't have to go that hard. I was just, I was running, because uh, I was running at, at three hour marathon pace, which was great. So Elvis going by didn't demoralize me. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And, and then often you, you know, you, you feel this, you know, when you, when the end is in sight, this, this burst of energy, and it might only be for, you know, 100 meters, 200 meters, one meter or whatever, but, but this yeah. kind of big lift at the end. Uh, yeah, which is why the idea we run out of energy, run out of um, resources, is one which is a lot in people's heads. And that the, the if you, I mean, it's the bit again early. If you can access that and spread it and access that and use it, then you you've got a lot. You've actually got massive amount of resources, and people have. They just don't get used to tapping into those enough. 
to actually talk themselves into making that possible. It's not always, I mean, there's, you get the massive wave of emotion that kicks in adrenaline, that's got a physiological basis that will help you get to the end. And, you know, everyone then collapses at the end of the, but it's that learning to push yourself so that you pull out almost everything is, is quite a skill. Yeah. Um, it's quite a skill. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Andy, listen, it's been great to, um, to chat and, and hear your stories and, uh, and thoughts and, and about your work. I, I feel we've literally just scratched the surface. So uh, maybe we could do a part two at some, some point. There's other areas that I'd be really interested to, to hear about, but, um, but that's been great. Where, where can people um, find out about your work? The, um, the, the, well, the, um, uh, come and chat on social media. I'm on Twitter, Andy Lane 27. The, uh, the, uh, the running joke is that um, uh, I've been telling everyone I'm to, when I got to 27, I stayed at 27. Mm -hmm. so, um, so obviously that's a bit of a joke, but uh, <laughs> like that, that's, and then when you want a, um, a Twitter handle, being 27 helps. So Andy Lane at 27, I've got a website, winninglane.com. Um, and then via the University of Wolverhampton is there's there's websites on there for me as well, which de detail all the academic stuff. And I think will allow people to get hold of lots of the academic papers, research gate or gate and get the academic papers. Um, and then, uh, you know, if, if they get me, if they, if that's a fail that they can then, um, I'll send it to them if they make it, if they, if we, um, hook up via social media social media is the easiest because you can i put lots of stuff on there yeah um, articles good articles i think which are quite useful for people interesting parts and then some terrible jokes <laughs> terrible 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 jokes terrible jokes fantastic uh, which i find which i quite i take as a challenge the uh the um which i find quite funny it's always good to find your own jokes funny isn't it like well, dad jokes and all that. I don't know. This is about dad jokes. The, uh, the, 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 I mean, my dad tells jokes. They're all right. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, I hope you have a good day. And um, thanks again. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up. And I'll, I'll, prob well, I'll probably see you in inverted commas at the next UK um chats the run chat because i know that you poke your head in there a fair amount i do uh, and some of those get some jokes as well yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the, the the gift of the gift all right uh, there's so many things yeah 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 Brilliant. good all right andy take care have a good one